BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Abe Lincoln's Top Hat is brought to you by audible.com. Go to audibletrial.com slash top hat to sign up for a free trial. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Welcome to the show, everyone. That's Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel. We have another special edition of Sweaty Nixon. It's the debate show I do right here every Monday at the Creek in the Cave at 7 p.m. The next one is February 2nd. Uh, This debate is all all about police brutality and police issues. It's a hot topic right now, so I brought in... uh, uh, the arresting officer of Raymond Santana of the uh, Central Park Five, Eric Reynolds, uh, to debate uh, activist, comedian, and uh, overall genius. A nice guy, wouldn't you say, Marcus? I love Ted Alexandro. Ted Alexandro. Uh, so please give it a listen, and I think you'll enjoy it. Ted Alexandro versus Eric Reynolds. Hey, everybody. Thank you guys so much for coming out. Uh, this is Sweaty Nixon. It's an exciting program. Tonight, uh, it's going to be... Uh, hot stuff. Very. Uh, we got a good debate between Ted Alexandro, who is a very successful comedian and activist. He's been on the David Letterman program uh, more times than I can count, because I can't count past ten. Uh, so that's kind of exciting. And then, of course, we have uh, the arresting officer of Raymond Santana, or Santana Raymond. He goes by both names, but there's the same name, so it's a little confusing, but uh, Eric Reynolds is going to be here as well, uh, debating Ted all about uh, police issues, police militarization, and police brutality. It's a comedy show. Um, All right, everybody, I would like to introduce Ted Alexandro and Eric Reynolds. Typical Eric wearing the hoodie. Isn't that classic? Hoodie versus sweatshirt. Hoodie versus sweater, that's what we're going to call it. Finally. Yeah, the project. That's... I'm from the projects. That's what you get. I'm a that's black right. kid from a Bronx housing project. That's right. All right. So what's happening in the city? There's obviously we got these two dead cops. Lou and Ramos were murdered by this, uh, Brin- I believe it was Brinsley. That's this fella. And that sort of capped off uh, a series of protests were, uh, that were happening all around the city, um, obviously about the Eric Garner and Michael Brown shootings, uh, one in Ferguson and one right here in New York City. Um, cops have sort of gone on a mini strike Ticket uh, violations are down 94%, and overall arrests are down 66%. They say they're only arresting now when necessary. Eric, what were the cops doing before? Uh, arresting when unnecessary, obviously. <laughs> no, there's, uh, there's no slowdown, okay? Uh, contrary to what anybody might believe. Uh, if you think about it rationally, okay, being a cop is a civil service job, and you get a salary, and you get health benefits, and you're going to pay for your house and your food and all that shit with it. After what just happened in Staten Island and Ferguson and whatnot, are you really going to be the one to go out and make an arrest and something happens and everybody's got their cell phones out and you're going you know, to end up like Daniel Pantaleo if, if, you know, right. if things if go you wrong? Murder Nobody wants to go... No, well, he didn't murder anyone. He didn't murder anyone. Right. What are your thoughts on the uh, Eric Gardner uh, Pantaleo situation with the grand jury coming out, choosing not to indict? I think it's a very difficult decision these grand jurors had to make. But do you think that Officer Pantaleo should have been indicted, uh, Ted? Uh, Well, what I think about it is that it's very unfortunate, um, you know, that a person died 
uh, at the hands of the NYPD, whether that was the intent or not. It was more of the uh, the the, uh, the crack of the, the uh, crook of the elbow. Yeah, crook yeah. of the elbow there. Um, but you know, uh, the point was made that whether there's a slowdown or not, um, you know, if if the result of these deaths, uh, which have become part of the public consciousness. Uh, let's face it, largely because of social media, you know, we're living in a time that these things instantaneously become not just local news uh, or citywide or statewide, they become national and international news. Right. Uh, so the effect of that is that cops uh, maybe are under scrutiny in ways they never have been before, and uh, perhaps that's a good thing. Social media is a very interesting aspect, uh, aspect of it. Obviously, uh, you're at, the, uh, at your fingertips at any moment, you can write down uh, a- any thought that was just on the top of your head. That's my, my Twitter. Uh, usually just discusses boobs. But uh, there's also a lot of knee-jerk reactions that occur. So you have a situation that happened in Ferguson. Uh, Michael Brown, the hands up. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, a lot of individuals said he has his hands up, and then a lot of people say that that's not actually what happened, and I think the autopsy sort of pointed to the latter, that it didn't occur. So with uh, social media, uh, Eric, do you think that that's hurting the argument when it comes down to getting the actual facts out there? And as a police officer, you're all about the facts. I've watched television from the 1960s. I know what cops are all about. Do you think that that's where cops are currently having a difficult time getting their message across? Um, yeah, I think, you know, the police department's slow to get on the, you know, on the social media train. I mean, we all know that, you know. Right. Uh, they're, not geared, they're not geared towards that, that sort of thing. It's something that sort of happened, and, and now, you know, they're playing catch-up. Um, social media is a double-edged sword, you know, you're right. Uh, stories that might not have ever been heard about become, you know, national, international news. Uh, the world's much smaller as a result of social media. Um, the other problem, though, the flip side is that it's unregulated, you know. Maybe you're not getting factual information. Maybe you're getting information that's uh, inflammatory or or, you know, hurts somebody else. Like in the Boston bomber case, uh, when a, a few, uh, a couple of gentlemen, had a, they had nothing to do with it, had their pictures circulated around the internet as possible suspects. Right. And they just happened to be there. So that's the other side of it. But, you know, look, it's a part of mankind. It's a part of our society. It's not going away. You know, we have to adapt to it. We have to use it. And we just, you know, go from there. Ted, as a person who does activism and you, you uh, organize a lot of protests and your heart is always amazing and you're not for, you know, Fox News ran this clip on loop as if it happened for 18 hours consecutively about these people who were chanting, what do we want? Dead cops. And let's be honest, it fits into a, a fine slogan, um, so, which is really what protests are all about. What do I want? Burger King. That would also work. Um, social media, it, it has sort of become a monster and there is, to Eric's point, the cops are sort of befuddled and uh, they don't really know exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. So what would you recommend uh, officers to do to get their point of view out? Because there are a lot of great cops out there. Obviously, we have two dead victims with Ramos and Lou, and that's, that's insane and awful. And, uh, you know, the guy is on social media, the, the fellow who killed him, saying that uh, he wants to put wings on... Uh, Today I'm going to go put wings on pigs, which is a great project if you're in kindergarten. Um, it sounds like a really fun thing you could do with a glue stick, but uh, it's not very fun in real life when you uh, when you know the intent behind it. So what can cops do to uh, better their image? Because right now it's unbelievably tarnished, and these protests at the funerals aren't really helping. Yeah, again, it's it's a very layered situation, and I think it's very complicated. Uh, and I think it's also a, a huge part of it is the silence that is expected from police officers. Uh, I think the, the, the blue wall of silence. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a big part of it. That uh, I'm sure there's a myriad of opinions and thoughts that police officers have, uh, but the media will often portray it as one voice. Uh, all cops turn their backs on de Blasio. All cops feel one way about everything. And just the way that they paint protesters with the same brush. You know, uh, nuanced discussion is not the forte of mainstream media, which is why I go back to the importance of social media. Uh, And, 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 you know, you had mentioned, Eric, uh, inflammatory 
statements. But, you know, in my opinion, what's more inflammatory than the things that have been coming out of Pat Lynch's mouth in terms of uh, blood on his hands and, you know, this type of rhetoric, uh, I think does a disservice uh, to the victims of violence, be they Eric Garner or uh, Akai Gurley or the officers, Ramos and, and Lou. Uh, so and you have someone. It, you have someone like Pat Lynch. He's the head. He's the uh, the head of the union. Head the of cops. the PBA union. Yeah. Right. So so you know, oftentimes the inflammatory things that you're talking about. This guy has the megaphone of mass media for these types of inflammatory things. Uh, protesters and and black marginalized voices don't have that that uh, media megaphone. Uh, so certainly, thank goodness they have. Social media. So Lynch is sort of uh, to cops what Al Sharpton is to blacks. He's 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 taking the he's taking the he he's co-opting everybody's opinion and making it seem like it's it's uh, theirs. You, you can know, make that analogy. I, I'm not a, an Al Sharpton hater. Or no, oh, I don't hate Al Sharpton. I love the man. He's, I, he's I so, think he's a, he's, he's a, a shakedown. Uh, he's an easy target. <laughs> As as is Pat Lynch, but but people that uh, have that media platform, be they Reverend Al Sharpton or right. Pat Lynch, they are uh, they are given the the, the largest, uh, most amplified platform uh, that that removes nuance from discussion. Eric is a former officer, uh, and as a black dude, I mean, you're getting hit on all fronts. Everyone's speaking for you. Do you like what this Lynch character is saying when it comes down to the blood on your hands, like Ted was saying with the Blasio? Yeah, absolutely. In- okay, so you you Ab- agree. Absolutely. And because you agree de Blasio, with- what he said was, first of all, as a black man, I'm offended that he's telling his black son to look out for the police, okay? I grew up in a Bronx housing project with a single mother. I, you know, the police weren't an issue, okay? They weren't. Yeah. I got in trouble with the cops. Right. But the cops, I, I knew they weren't going to come kill me. I didn't feel, you know, there's this... You know, they're, they're there to keep you down and whatnot. All right. So well, you, I had my, you were living in a, uh, in a uh, police state that someone in, like, suburban Connecticut might not be an experience. You don't think that you had... Did you have more interaction with the cops, would you assume, because of uh, where you grew up and because of your skin color than had you grown up in a different place with a different skin color? Of course. Right. But that's okay for of you. Of course. What do you think there was a fellow... Well, what's, what's the problem with having contact with the police? Well, I mean, the problem is, I th- in theory, I suppose, when they jump on your back and then it's the bad kind of contact, you know, and then they, they okay, choke you Okay, but what out. about the other 10 million encounters right. we have? Okay, so that's one. Mm-hmm. The last time somebody was choked by a cop, that was uh, in the 4-6 Nin- precinct in, like, 1993. Okay, that's a, that's a good, what, 20 years ago? Then you have, like, ago? a tie girly and everything like that as well. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A tie girly gets killed by accident. The yeah, guy that killed him, he should be fired. He's gone as a police officer. I don't believe he should ever wear the uniform again. But Eric, okay? the, it's a test. Know, it's I, a test that forty. First of all, there's forty thousand people in the police department. Mm-hmm. There's a civil service test to get in there. I see people all the time that I go, Jesus Christ! I would I would take the day off if I was forced to work with this person. You right. know, so I you would I wouldn't go yeah. within a million miles of them. But there's but what can you do? There's 40,000 people. You take the test, the written test, you take the, you know, the physical test, and you get on. Now we're fucking stuck with you, okay? If, if we don't have some specific reason to get rid of a person that's concrete, you can't do anything. That's just, that's the way civil service works. I think that what you said, what can we do, is a great question, and an ongoing one. What can we do? I don't know. We can keep talking about it. One thing that uh, resonated was when you talked about uh, firing that guy. I, I don't even know that I agree with that, that, that firing the officer that killed Akai Gurley is, is the answer. No, I no, think I didn't say that. You said I didn't say it was guy, right? the answer. I said at the very least, he's fired. Well, Get my, rid of him. Okay. So you I, I'm, not char- saying, I'm not saying it ends there. Right, right. My point w- being... Whatever penalties or whatever, you know, uh, you know, I heard some disturbing things about that, okay? This guy didn't call for an ambulance right away. Sure. Right, that sure. bothers me, okay? Six minutes. Me as well. He went, yeah. to get, he went to get a delegate. That bothers me. Sure. You know, right. we don't Called need people like rep. that. Right. My, that's, that's, you know... My concern with that, though, is... When we focus so much on the micro of each of these cases, and it's important to focus on the micro, and it's important. And when you say micro, you mean the facts. Yeah, yeah, I mean the facts of that specific case. Okay. Uh, I'm talking about 
Akai Gurley, I'm talking about Eric Brown, and I'm also talking about the other aspect of this, the other arm of this, which is the criminal justice system, which too often uh, uh, f- fails left center and oh. every which way, to, you know. The criminal justice system but let is me just so finish. overwhelmed. Let, let me just finish, though. My point being that um, you have to look at the, the micro, but then you also have to look at the macro. Uh, what are the conditions that bring this rookie cop into a, uh, a poor community of color mm-hmm. uh, uh, with which he's probably uh, ill-trained and unfamiliar? Uh, why is his first reaction to, to draw his gun and, and fire it? Uh, well, so, know, so that's right, the macro, right? right? Yeah. We know these and that's why that's why I feel he shouldn't be a cop, right. based exactly on what you just said. That's what bothers me. Well, the man was on. The, the man was. Uh, I mean, not necessarily a rookie. I think he was out there for 15 months, and he was touring the pink houses, which that's are very. A rookie. Da- uh, that's still a rookie. Okay. That's a rookie. Uh, he's a civilian. He, he's he's no different than a civilian on Halloween wearing. A by NFL costume. standards, he's on his third <laughs> season, so that's the only. Okay. Uh, so. But he's doing these pink houses, which uh, it's not uh, full of pink people like myself. Every apartment building in Williamsburg should be called the pink houses <laughs> because we all look like pigs after they've been uh, in the sun for a moment. But uh, with, you have this situation 15 months in there. You had a similar situation that occurred to you when you actually went. You were going to, a, to an apartment. You were working. You were a detective at the time. You yes. were wearing your suit. Yes. Uh, a fellow had a laser pointer. He had pointed it at some officers. The officers went into a housing unit. And you actually had a situation where you saw a very similar image that Gurley saw uh, although you weren't yeah. actually shot, and Gurley can't isn't here to that's right to uh, to talk about it. What was that that's experience? Right. Uh, that experience was a uh, a white cop who had uh, and again a rookie, you know. Probably I don't know where he lived. I, I really didn't know anything about. He was him. just a seven year veteran, but he was a rookie. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure how much time he had, yeah. but anyway, I was standing in the staircase because I was in civilian clothes. I was wearing a suit and tie, and we were backing up the um, you know the other cops in uniform and we're standing in the staircase a couple of floors below just in case anybody gets past the cops we'll be there to stop them um while i was standing in this in this stairway i was standing in the doorway my partner was in the hallway and there was a a white lieutenant who was in uniform and um the cop just comes walking down the stairs and as soon as he sees me he just like literally jumps up in the air and goes stop and i was thinking holy shit this is not this is not a good way to, you know, this guy doesn't seem in control. Right. And I sort of just backed up into the hallway so that my partner could see me and the lieutenant could see me also and that he would have to come out and, and notice that they're there with me. And um, he came out and he just had his, he had his Glock. I'll never forget it. He had his Glock pointed at my chest and he's screaming at me not to move while I wasn't moving. Okay. And the, the one thing I just kept thinking to myself was, that's going to fucking hurt. If, if he fucking shoots, this is going to fucking hurt a lot. Yeah, that's, that's an okay. understatement there, yeah. And, yeah. Well, that's, but that's what goes through your mind when, right. when shit like this goes down. Right. So uh, we have 40,000... But, but I felt... No, but I felt like this is a guy that doesn't belong, you know, in the police department. Right. Unfortunately, there's no test to test for that sort of thing. Well, that sort well, of reaction. I do a show called Able Against Top Hat, and this is always my this is my little uh, more comical test. I think all officers need to go through YouTube jump scare videos. They need to watch nothing but jump scare videos for multiple hours. You need to have a 13 year old white girl with wet black hair jump up at any point during a video, and if the officer shoots her, then he's not allowed to be a cop he's not allowed to be an officer but ted because now we've we have forty thousand officers and eric you've experienced this even as a detective you experienced uh officers going a little crazy ted what kind of training do you would you like to see be put in place they did the three-day intensive you know like uh you know uh you know to try to get more uh to try to open the minds of the officers for a three-day seminar where in reality they were just happy to be away from their fat wives and they were just getting trashed at a holiday inn in pittsburgh Mm. you know but nonetheless they were out there. Ted, what do you think would be a good thing to give uh, for cops to do to, uh, for, for training? Like a sleepaway camp in the projects kind of thing? <laughs> you want to do something like that? Three days, just sleeping, you know, yeah, around the campfire. I had no, that, actually, you know... I had that when I got divorced. I had to... <laughs> yeah. I had sleepaway at my mom's house in the projects for about a year. <laughs> oh, well, actually, you know, was... what, what occurred to me, Eric, when you were saying that is... Uh, it, it seems as though like the, the, there's a disconnect when you say that you're offended that um, pr- 
that uh, Mayor de Blasio would have to have a conversation with his black son to uh, to be aware of his interactions, to navigate his interactions with the police. And yet, really what saved your life that day, perhaps, was the fact that you're a cop and that you, you said you backed up to be amongst the other cops, right? Yeah. So, so that seems like such a strong word to me that you were offended that yeah. this this white father As a white of a biracial man, son would have a like why would you why would you be, be offended by something that you experienced yourself? Because to me, he's an out of touch white liberal. Okay, if he was like an Eminem type of white guy, you know, an Eminem type of white guy. No, so a if guy he who's if he rapped, who knows if he rapped the message to his well, kid? No, he doesn't rap, but he's <laughs> but he's from. But look now, wait, but don't laugh because you talk about the importance of cops being from the community. All right, right. this is really the same thing. This is a, 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 a white guy that I feel is real, all right? I feel if he, if he was to say the N-word, all right, if he was to talk about black people and stuff, I wouldn't be offended. Who? Because I, Who are uh, we talking like about? Like an Eminem, oh, Eminem. An M&M type of white guy. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you let's know. not get into the bedroom of the de Blasios. I'm sure the N-word has been said before, and I'm sure it's very erotic and hot. But, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's but the out-of-touch white guy. Eminem's not married to a black woman. The mayor is. A lot of I mean, black how much guys more does the guy have to convince you that he's... A lot of black guys are not married to, white, to black women. So. But, uh, how much more does he have to do to convince you that he's down with black people? Well, I'm not saying he's down with them. He doesn't have to be down with them, but I feel his experience is a little closer. His, he's, he's got a little more, you know... He, he didn't grow up in some leafy suburb and wrote an essay about Martin Luther King, and now he, he wants to save the blacks. Okay, that's, that's, that's your feeling yeah. about, I, I about wanna, him. But I what wanna, about... What, is, is it valid or invalid that he says to his son, be careful navigating interactions with the police? Is that valid or invalid? I think that to tell your son that the NYPD is going to kill you, and then the NYPD not gonna kill is you. guarding I don't think you... That's the, I don't think that's the conversation. The NYPD is guarding you at the same time. I well, think I think the, is, the is conversation retarded. when it comes to dealing with... Uh, <laughs> it is retarded. The NYPD uh, guards his family. They um, get Al Sharpton to watch them. Right. Well, the conversation you know? that white parents have with their white children about how to interact with the cops is probably, most likely, I would argue, very different than the conversation that black people have if with their black children. If by different you mean non-existent, yeah. No, that's not true. I mean, I mean you know, like, white, uh, you white know, white families I, talk, you know, you'd be very my, polite. Yeah, I mean, I've been arrested multiple times, always for valid reasons, because apparently you're not allowed to uh, urinate outside of a bathroom. Um, you're supposed to go into the bathroom while taking a pee-pee. But let's get back to uh, the situation with the cops that are currently kind of sl- in a slow, sludgy strike. It's not official, but they're just not doing not their a, job. It's not a slowdown. As I'm an telling officer, you, nobody, nobody wants to be that guy. As nobody an officer, wants Al Sharpton in front of their house. Nobody well, no. wants to be, you know, in the papers every day with your picture. You know, that people want you to go to jail. Unless it's Christmas nobody time. Nobody wants uncle, to be but... that guy. It's like a, it's like a game of musical chairs now. Nobody wants to be left standing. Right. So we have, uh, okay, so 94%. So fear of, of being uh, on the front page of the newspaper yeah. has caused them to stop implementing yes. uh, racist police policies. If you want to call enforcing the law that, that's your interpretation. All right, let's get to this enforcing the law situation. 94% of tickets are down, which is going to cost the city half a billion dollars, which is really what this entire thing is about. But wait, but everybody should be happy. They said we're over-policing, so we're under-policing. Now you're under And and honestly, the city hasn't burned down. I'm thrilled. All right, so so there's no problem. If you've never visited New York, this would be the time to do it. And get a rental car because you can park anywhere you want. (laughs) It's a great time to be in New York. And the, cars, the officers cops will watch are your car, too. What's that? The cops will watch your car. Yeah, they'll watch it, they'll, they'll, they'll watch they'll, it. They'll watch it for you, and in three years, they'll wash it for you into. when they're out of a job. Um, <laughs> but uh, w- cops are there, again, going back to the only, uh, only when really needed, we're going to start arresting people. What were they doing before? Is it just a tax? Are these, what's the difference right now between a police officer and the tax man? You know, we're, this is what this is all about. This is why the officers are, are yeah. slowing their tickets yeah. down because the city is going to lose half a billion dollars. Well, yeah, that's why a big do we part need forty thousand cops that have guns that are you know going to be flippantly, randomly shooting people when in reality they're just out there to make the, the city cash twenty five dollars a pop. 
Well, you I mean, know, I think... Why, I, why do we have 40,000 uh, options? That's the, that's the macro that I'm talking about. You're talking about a system of mass incarceration uh, that uh, author Michelle Alexander describes as the new Jim Crow. Uh, there's more black people under, uh, uh, under the penal system now in the United States than there were enslaved in the 1850s. So, yeah. so it's you know, described as the new Jim Crow, the new way of oppressing that is kind of almost out of sight, out of mind, not the experience, oh, sure. uh, not the experience of most Americans. So there's that chasm, uh, there's that chasm of it's not my experience, so it doesn't exist. Uh, but it does exist, and it is really ripping apart communities, specifically poor communities of color. So what you're talking about is, due to this stoppage, whether it's intentional or not, uh, this stoppage is resulting in elimination of these police policies that have been tearing communities apart, uh, and, and, and as a result, uh, not feeding this corporate system of uh, mass incarceration that, it, that is really privatized, and it's all about of making course. money. Yeah, of course. Obviously, it's fi- the United States is 5% of the world's population. We've got 20% of the world's prisoners. And it is glorified slave labor. These people are in there making maybe 10 cents, a, uh, 10 cents an hour, if that. And they're, they're making a lot of goods for the military and things like that. So when I, when I was a cop, I worked in the precinct, uh, we would get uh, a lot of these uh, businesses would send us their catalogs. Okay, and we, and we used to show right. the catalogs around. There, there's, like Victoria's Secrets? What kind of catalogs? Right, that's right. For prisons. For prisons. Right. I mean, there's prison grade toilets, beds, mops, everything for prisons, everything that's prison grade. And we would just pass it around like, holy cow, look at this. It's like an entire industry based on people going to jail. That you could could purchase? Like catalogs meaning? Catalogs from the companies that supply prisons with their, you know, like with toilets. Like they have special toilets that are made to grind up towels and stuff when the inmates, you know, want to try to flood the, the cell. Ooh, that, I could actually use one of those, they have, but I don't. Yeah. I, not for towels, though. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Holy Lord, burrito Tuesdays! I'm telling you, I we could would go for one of those on a Wednesday. We would that. sit around looking at this, like, "Holy shit, this is this is a huge business." I'm just sad prisoners have better toilets than me. This is, <laughs> I'm livid. But no, that plays to a larger that plays to a larger point. Obviously, the privatized prisons happened with the uh, you know under Reagan with the war on drugs. Ninety two cops were allowed to buy military uh, grade equipment. The roughly four billion dollars a year that they're allowed to get after nine eleven, it was re-upped. And then you see a situation like we have in Ferguson, where the cops came in there like they were uh, Patrick Swayze in the movie Red Dawn. I mean, they were ready for a Russian invasion of of, of communists. I know they um, killed so many what, people. It was. What, well, you know, whatever. It was, uh, it was not the most peaceful situation. Uh, what do you think about that, Eric? Do you think that cops have... There's also these conventions, again, that cops go to, and they're like, this is... The, you know, and they're, they're shown all the newest weapons. They're shown all, all the newest toys. It's almost like uh, Belky Batonymous, whatever, from uh, um, Beverly Hills Cop 3. He plays a character where he shows Eddie Murphy's character all the newest guns and all the newest toys. And it's really cool in Beverly Hills Cop 3 because it's a movie. And then Eddie Murphy was really funny. But then cops aren't so funny and they're not that charming. So is Thank there you. too many toys for these cops? You know, are, is, is the militarization, has it become too much in your opinion, Eric? No, because there's no such thing as militarization. What do you mean there's no such thing as militarization? But let me, let me go back. Let me, let me go back a little bit, okay? Because when I first became a cop, when I first became a cop, you were given a 38, a nightstick, and some mace, right? Yeah, and a, day and a slingshot, and you wore it in your back, back pocket then, and went fishing on Sundays. Right, yeah. that's right. And back then, back in the day, there was a huge push by the community, by community activists and people like yourself to develop non-lethal methods of subduing prisoners and, and you know, de- criminal defendants. Right. All right? So there was a big fight over that. What don't, don't you, you like using about the that? Gun. Hmm? What don't you like about the idea of a non-lethal way to take down... No, no I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying that there was a push towards all this technology, towards all these what you call toys today back in the 80s so that, you know, for, for police departments as an alternative to shooting people or hitting people with their stick. Now that we have all this stuff... You're complaining that we have all these toys and they have these conventions and stuff. Right. And, you know, there's only a, a few ways to enforce the law. Well, as comedians, I would say give them a little joke book, and that always diffuses a lot of anger and a lot of tension, but that's not rational. What do you think, Ted, about, uh, about the new weapons that officers are allowed to use? And I mean, they treat people, 
uh, you know, as if they're fighting. It's not ISIS. But it's not ISIL weapons? anymore. Now it's called like Dama or something like that. I forget the new name for the terrorists. But they're using the exact same weapons. what are the weapons. specific weapons that we're using The tanks, on people? the semi-assault rifles, all of the, all of the fun, uh, we you saw know, it smoke bombs. We saw it in bombs. Ferguson, right? All, all of the, the uh, military-grade weapons tank that have been bad. brought into, um, you know, local neighborhoods for local policing. Because uh, if, so if, I think if it's Lou excessive. and Ramos was in a tank, they wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be talking about them right now. Well, I mean, you know, if if we're going to kind of look at it as a as a war, you know, no, uh, which I think is part of the just pro- saving I think lives. it's part of the problem. Just uh, saving lives. Police officers serve the community, so I don't think yes. they should be in tanks. I think they should be amongst the community, and I think there should be a lot more of a dialogue and a humanization for both because I think that the problem is uh many cops don't view black and brown specifically young males as human beings as fully human beings as they do with their white counterparts and vice versa i think a lot of communities of color and i think even more so uh beyond that a, a lot of uh, people in general now are, are less and less viewing cops as human beings and i think that's a huge problem well, and I I, think, so i think what think has to happen is, but I is think dialogue it's an american problem it, with, the, think, with the thought that uh, black males are subhumans. Okay, mm-hmm. it's not a police problem. Is it a racial? It's thing? a white person, a white American problem towards black people. Because I get, I face this all the time. Okay, when I'm off, you know, when I'm off duty, when I'm doing stuff, yeah, I see it all the time. Yeah, you know? it, I agree with with most of the stuff that you're saying. Hundred percent, I, I agree. Know? It's it's right. what we're really talking about is American history, where yeah. you can draw a straight line from slavery to peonage to Jim Crow to mass incarceration, uh, you know, to to redlining to keeping people out of specific areas of housing. Uh, it's a systemic problem. So, hundred percent, right. you know, I agree. But these conversations have to take place for people to a see that and not deny and not really essentially lie about American history right. uh, and secondly uh, we have to humanize one another so that you know we're not talk- we're not starting f- the conversation from a from a position of uh, not recognizing the other, the other people's humanity but also not starting from a position of, of lying about this and talking this at each other elephant in the room of, of yeah. American history yeah. well I love and lying about American right. history and everyone should do it um, <laughs> but you but know in the- I want I, I want to ask this question though is it a racial thing or do cops see these people because of the prison industrial complex which I hate that term it's like cliche and everyone who thinks they're smart says it um, and I think I'm dumb I assure you of that um, but you're right I mean obviously it is it, it is uh, there's, it's a money maker right these prisons are, they have their yeah. little magazines and their pamphlets yes. are black young men just the easiest targets is that when a, when a bear wants to eat some salmon you get them when they're trying to bang they know exactly where to go where they're all going to be hopping around are black guys if you're an officer and at this point you arrest people for a living and you're making that money for the city and you're doing your job and you have your uh, you know you have you have your duties to do and you have to arrest some people that week otherwise you don't uh, you know make the grade are black guys just the easiest people to arrest so that's why that happens the most well no no why do you think the blacks are more uh, arrested uh, than any other group in the country. Look, we arrest people based on committing crimes. As a detective, I would get a report, it would come into my office, and a lot of what we had to do, a lot of our, our, my work had, was uh, domestic violence, okay? I handled homicides, shootings, robberies, but most of my time was taken up by domestic uh, issues. Right. Um, I retired out of the 3-2 Detectives, which is in Harlem on 132nd Street, and when I got transferred there, because I worked in Spanish Harlem, I worked in Washington Heights, the one thing that really bothered me the most was the level of interpersonal conflict between black people, okay? And it bothered me, you know, it, it bothered my partner too. We would get people in there and we would like, you know, we would have to arrest them, but we would sit down and talk to them and say, listen, why are you fighting with someone that looks just like you? Okay, right. you're fighting over nothing. Don't, you know, this is not necessary. You're going, you have us arresting you. You're going to go through the criminal justice system. You know, there's, there's no need for you to, you know, to, to say that this other girl's got a weave or some other stupid shit. And, and, and I'm telling you, this, like half the stuff was over nothing. 
am I saying, you know, am I trying to disparage my own people by saying this? No, I'm saying this because I want better. I want better for us, okay? Black lives matter. You know what? Every black life matters, not just black people that get killed by the police. Everybody, every single one. People, when this... um, when this guy that was in the temple in Brooklyn, right, he was mentally ill, he uh, stabbed a Jewish um, worshiper in the head, and then the police end up killing him, okay? They shoot him dead. I, I was watching the news, and everybody's like, well, the police were justified, the guy was mentally ill, you know, let's go on. No, no, this is as fucking outrageous as any other killing, Okay, this is a guy who's mentally ill, who's failed by society. He's failed by the government. He's failed by his family. So you He's want failed officers to give him like a Warshak test or something? No, or? but this guy gets into a, you know, he, he, he gets to a point where because society will not allocate the resources to take care of the mentally ill, the police are forced to deal with them when they can no longer be managed by society. I think and you the can police make, you are can the least the, equipped, the least willing and the least equipped to deal with them. Couldn't agree more. And, and I think you could make the exact same point about poor communities of color, that they're uh, essentially suffocated of resources yes, absolutely. and schooling and uh, on down the housing, on down the line. And then, unfortunately, the police are left to pick up the pieces. But to answer and then your... People, but then people scream at the cops. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't sure. agree more. It's and, it's you know, it's the, it's fighting on the on the gr- on the ground that uh, because of of things that are handed down top top down. Uh, but to answer your question, yes, I think uh, black folks, uh, p- particularly black communities of color, black and brown communities of color, are are not only the easiest target but the most important target because historically, where does dissent coalesce? in American history. It, it coalesces in the, the black churches, in the black communities, and that's why with programs like COINTELPRO, uh, MLK was uh, assassinated by the United States government, which uh, was proven in a, in a jury trial. A lot of people don't know that. If you look up, uh, uh, it's on the, the uh, King family, the King Center uh, webpage, there was a jury trial in 1999 where the United States government was in fact, by a trial jury, uh, convicted of killing MLK. My point being, through this FBI program, COINTELPRO, they targeted black leaders. Why? Because uh, MLK put these issues, not only of race, but of economics, front and center. And that is what scared the establishment. When it was just about black folks and white folks getting along, that was okay. But once he started, uh, you know, they were going to have the Poor People's March on Washington, that was when the FBI targeted, uh, I, I encourage everyone to look at COINTELPRO 101, counterintelligence yeah. program. That is when they targeted and killed MLK and other black leaders of the left, and uh, they targeted folks in uh, college campuses all over They've the United infiltrated States. infiltrated a lot of different white supremacist groups as well, though. I mean, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, my, government, it's a government my point uh, organization being that, that's there to, uh, to... My point being is terrorize the black the communities... Uh, has the residual effect of uh, let's squash where dissent uh, tends to spring up from. Right, right. And now, of course, that dissent is all just with 14-year-old girls who enjoy, uh, you know, terrible rap music in the suburbs. Uh, They're very (laughs) upset with everything. I think um, 93% of all black deaths uh, occur within the black community, right? So this is one of the arguments that uh, a lot of more conservative uh, people make so that, uh, you know, the, the, you can't blame uh, society as a whole um, for what individuals do. Do you think that the argument, um, Ted, do you think the argument that uh, somehow these people uh, can't control themselves, which is an argument that a lot of people say when it comes to what a real racist cop would do. A real racist cop, they say, would just hang out on the sidelines and let everybody uh, in these communities go in and uh, and murder each other over you know random random uh, feuds and things like that. Is there something to be said about officers going into these poorer communities that do have higher crime rates and uh, and trying to uh, and trying to stop some of that? Well, are they going to the fire, or are they creating the fire and then uh, 
you know, putting it out? I mean, are they, are they creating the problem to then solve it and then, you know, keep the whole process going? Yeah, well, I think crime is where you look for it. If you look for it in poor communities of color, you're going to find it there. If you look for it on Wall Street, if you look for it on college campuses, you're going to find all the drugs you want there. You're going to find all the rape you want there, all the crime you want there. Crime is where you look for it. The problem is that these police policies are inherently racist in that they're targeting poor communities of color. If you look for crime there, of course you're going to find it there. Now, that's not to discount that there is crime there, and your statistic about 93% of uh, murders are committed by blacks. On, but I think that's across that's across the board. I yeah, think it's like whites, 88% whites. Whites kill whites. Thing. Asians yeah. kill. It's because that's who you're around. So. Well, yeah, because you kill the person who stole your lawnmore. Right. You so. know, that's uh, all these things are you about just, lawnmores. Sometimes you just fire. You just fire get rid, out and get you rid hit of lawnmowers. Him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but still, that's so, still so my, 94% of black homicides, though. You, you guys are acting like, oh yeah, well, beside the other, beside the 94% that already happened, you know, the two percent that the police commit, that's the problem. No, uh, but the point being is that uh, that is a huge problem, and that, right. and I think black folks uh, in those communities would would. would echo that and would say yes we've got and in fact do say that and do do organize around that um, they want those changes but they also want an acknowledgement that these police policies that target their communities and in fact occupy their communities uh, are, are a huge part of the problem and they also want some acknowledgement from the mainstream that we're not living in, in some sort of fantasy and that's why Ferguson blows the roof off that that's why Eric Garner blows the roof off that and why do we know about it because it was filmed you know, otherwise we'd continue in our sleepwalk because it's not my experience. Well, it is the everyday experience of a lot of black and brown people, and you experienced it yourself. I did. You know, I I, I have never experienced that kind of treatment, and quite honestly, if I did, I, I would, you know, be outraged and angry, and, you know, and I could probably express myself in a way that a lot of uh, people of color w- would feel a, a sh- afraid to because you just have to take the abuse and go on with your day. Is this another example, though, Ted, and a lot of people do think this of, you know, obviously you're a white dude, you're a white, white liberal man. Are you talking down to the black community by thinking they're total victims and, they, and they, they're, they're voiceless, they have no say uh, in how their lives are going to play out? Well, you do see, you that's f- the thing I have a problem with, but go ahead, I'm sorry. No, that's, uh, go on with that. That, that's, the, that's the issue. I don't want to be pitied. I don't want, you know, to be patronized. Nobody does. You know, I'm a man like any other man, and that, I feel that black people are as smart and as capable as any other person, and we don't need, you know... We did, that's why I don't like Bill de Blasio. I just feel he's patronizing. I don't feel that he honestly understands black issues. I think that, you know, this talk with his son is more show than anything. All right? I think it's, I think it's more bullshit. Uh... I, I just don't... Do you like right. me? Yeah, of course. Eric Reynolds is a Actually, I've always been a fan, so... Yeah. He Thank has you. been a fan. He well, was very happy see, to meet this, you. And this is part of the, where, where human beings looking one another in the eye. Uh, I essentially am Bill de Blasio. You know, if, if I had a black oh, don't, son... Don't, don't downgrade yourself <laughs> like that, Ted. What's wrong well, with you? I'm just saying... Bill, uh, if I've, what I am. I've slept with my seven. share of black women, and if I had a son... We would be having that conversation. But is that you tell, good? Is you that tell a- your son to be a good man, to do the right thing for everybody, and he'll never have a problem with the cops. I, dis- if I he, disagree. If with he that. ends up in a problem, it, it, it doesn't matter what you had told him. Then obviously, whatever problem comes as a result of a decent person getting into it with the police is, is something it, you're, you're saying that someone's going to come after him and do something. I, I just. Whatever you teach them is not going to protect them from that. I think, I think what, what we're essentially saying is that uh, there's a systemic policy that puts black and brown, uh, young males specifically, but it's not, I don't want to hype so much on, on the gender because it is uh, more and more uh, not gender exclusive, but specifically, especially in the cases that we're talking about, we're talking about black uh, males of color from poor communities of color. And the uh, U.S. does not discriminate. There's, uh, there was a woman in the U.K. She was the third woman in the history of the U.K. She murdered three men to get a life sentence. Uh, in the history of the U.K., the third woman. And we have 5,000 uh, women currently serving life sentences in the U.S. So let's not say that we're sexist. 
<laughs> okay? We'll yeah. put anyone in prison. Yeah, and, and also to, to address your point, isn't it sad that I would even be opened up or that de Blasio is opened up to that accusation for speaking the truth, essentially? Speak the truth about race in America as a white person, and you're, you know, you're called all manner of names. You're, all, you're well, called all manner of you know, uh, libtard or wigger or whatever <laughs> else you know, that they want to call you for, for speaking the truth, for saying... This is the truth. Statistically, uh, black males are as likely to go to prison as to college. Uh, 21 times more likely to be uh, shot by the police. Um, You know, so, so like, I mean, you know, we're talking about the truth here, you know, whether that makes me a liberal, uh, whatever, you, you know, whatever word you want to call right. me, yes, I'm that, because well, I'm talking the, about the truth. The truth is no, in the I statistics, can... but, the, but the, the gray area is in the problem and, the, and, the, uh, and what causes the problem and then the solution to the problem, right? Yeah. So these, everyone agrees yeah. that there is a huge issue yeah. uh, statistically, but I think there's a different approach um, to how to solve it. Eric, what would you do to... Uh, to uh, resolve some of these issues that the NYPD, because at the end of the day, this is this is really it is a uh, it's an image problem, it's an image issue. What would be something that you think the NYPD, in conclusion, because we got to wrap it up? Um, obviously, first of all, your thoughts on the turning your back on De Blasio? I think that that sort of uh, hurt the NYPD's image quite a bit. What's something that they could do that could sort of regain a relationship with these communities that some people do want them in because right. there is a high crime rate. The people in those communities will always have a relationship with the police. Okay, there are people. Yeah, that I mean, are I have a relationship with my father. But it was friends. terrible. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean like a good. I'll clarify a it's, good relationship. All right, you see, I want to take a page out of the Israelis. Don't. Uh, no, no. Playbook. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, I do. That's terrifying. I do. Everybody has to serve in the Israeli army. Everybody has to be in the military. I think everybody should have to be a cop for three years. Okay and will pay your college tuition off completely. Whatever you studied, no matter what it was, whatever school you went to, we pay it off. Why do I want this? So that everybody knows what's going on, everybody knows how the process works, so that everybody's a part of what's happening and they have a better idea and they have a better ability to solve problems because they know exactly what's happening in society. I mean, it's a totally unreasonable idea, but (laughs) <laughs> because it's you know anyway I mean it's up for the person who knows what they are you know who knows the system to explain it to other people you know I mean I want everyone to be a comedian so they know what it feels like to bomb on stage or so they know what it feels like when someone's talking while you're trying to make a valid point about you know uh, how farts are really funny if you do it in the shower and your girlfriend's there you know like so it, it, it's difficult um, to say, but I, but I understand. And I, I have a theory. Everyone should do at least one year of, uh, of public service to some degree. I do agree with you with that, whether it be waiting tables, working at Burger King. Wrong with it. Working as an uh, officer. I don't see anything officer. wrong with it. I, I do agree. Ted, what do you think in your, uh, in your perfect world, um, what would something that, but reasonable, like a reasonable thing that we can do with the officers right now, who are, everyone is butthurt. That's what everyone is upset. Everyone feels like everyone hates them. And everyone, these are human beings with emotions. They're sad. Cops want to be loved. Protesters want to be loved. Everyone wants to feel as if they belong in society. What's something we can, uh, the cops can do? And as a matter of fact, what's something that people who, uh, you know, relate to your points of views more, you know, people who go to the protests, what's something that you guys can do to uh, be more open-minded uh, in, uh, in listening to the officers? Because right now, uh, I feel like a lot of set, a lot of words are being spoken, and a lot of it's more uh, a lot of Nell from Jodie Foster, a lot of deaf ears. <laughs> um, is it what's happening? Uh, Heller, uh, Helen Keller type situations occurring. Yeah, well, I, I think the first thing is is what we're doing here tonight, and thank you for organizing it. Uh, you know that that we're talking about it. That I think that you know you really cannot quantify how important that is for people to get together and talk about it in a civil manner and listen to one another and exchange views. So that's, that's the first thing. Uh, the second thing is uh, accountability is really at the center of the issue. Folks feel as though there's, there's a lack of accountability on the part of the uh, NYPD or p- police officers nationally. Uh, so ways that we can explore accountability for police officers where maybe there is a, uh, an outside board that is reviewing uh, these types mm-hmm. of cases uh, so that there is accountability um, for, you know, deaths. Um, and it's not being... 
uh, reviewed within the department, and then it's you know the the DAs are then you know rev- uh, part of the same system. They work together, so there's kind of a, a messy, uh, incestuous nature to the whole process that right. I think. That has to be eliminated so that there is accountability so that these communities can point to it and say, we have a voice. We have uh, some agency in the way things are conducted. Right. Thoughts on police cameras? I'm a big proponent. There was a, in Miami-Dade County, they had them. Uh, the the uh, reports of um, uh, police abuse were down dramatically. I think it was like 65-some percent. And, uh, and officers were just like, we don't beat people anymore because it's going to end up on World Star. Uh, you know, so the whole thing has sort of changed. Great. What do you think about police cameras, Eric? Great idea. Good idea. Great idea. I love them. I think you got to see you got to see a lot of shit. I think it's a good idea. All Let's right. go for it. Uh, yeah, I th- you know, as much as I don't like the surveillance state, right. I-, I think well, when in the this state is surveillancing itself, itself, yeah, then I'm okay with it. And and I think you know, although there have been cases w- recently where cops are turning those cameras off, so right. I think if we do install them, it has to be a way that the, the cop cannot uh, in any way adjust it or turn it off. Well, yeah, and I heard about that too. And again, that's something that's that's going to be used against them, hopefully. You know, yeah. Well, there's I moments mean, that's of privacy, completely I don't inappropriate. Know. You keep turning it off. You, I, I don't know what in the world makes a guy like that think that turning it off several times during your tour is going to exonerate you from whatever the hell you did, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, right. All right. Some well, people just shouldn't be cops. That's the main thing, and I think we all agree on that. Definitely. Yeah. I, I would be a terrible officer because I would never uh, do anything. Um, <laughs> good or, good or bad. Oh, it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, Restaurant yeah. discounts are where it's at. No one talks about that. Those cops are living cheap uh, when it comes down to getting free Taco Bell and things like that. Um, thank you so much for being here, Eric, and thank you so much for being here, Ted. My pleasure. You guys are brilliant. Is there anything you would like to plug, anything coming up uh, for yourself as far as, uh, you know, in this vein, something that's that's reasonable? Don't talk about, you know, if you're going to see your grandmother next weekend. Right. Um, I, I would direct people towards the Creek in the Cave uh, Black Lives Matter podcast. Uh, so, someone have a. Is it called The Creek Presents? Uh, it's uh, Cave Comedy Radio Presents. Cave Comedy Radio Presents. We did a panel discussion amongst comedians uh, where we had a panel of nine comics discussing all of the things that we're talking about, one of whom was also a retired uh, police detective, uh, Mark DeMeo. So it was a really interesting discussion, so I would uh, direct people to check that out. And uh, Eric? Nothing. That's perfect. <laughs> I would like I to direct nothing. people. Uh, I, I have got a new, nothing going on. I have I'm a new KF Comedy Radio podcast as well. It's called Polish Lives Matter. Um, so check that out. And of course, you can listen to all the great shows on Cave Comedy Radio uh, at uh, Abe Ligon's Top Hat Roundtable of Gentlemen in the Last Podcast on the left. And uh, yeah, keep on. Uh, come to the Creek in the Cave right here, 1093 Jackson Avenue in Long Island City. Uh, thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. So that was it. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. And uh, again, that's February 2nd, right here at the Creek in the Cave at 7 p.m. That'll be the next installment of Sweaty Nixon. And uh, go to the Abe Lincoln's Top Hat Facebook page and uh, let me know what you're interested in. And uh, let us know uh, what subjects you want to hear discussed on the next episode. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.